Anyone who has ever lived on a college campus knows what an RA is, and almost everyone will know what a PM is too. RAs are resident assistants and peer mentors are student employees who work in dormitories. They help monitor rowdy behavior, give advice and counseling, and just generally be helpful and friendly to on-campus students. Every freshman dorm has at least one RA and one peer mentor per floor. Multi-year dorms are the same, except they just don't have PMs. Spread out over 52 dorms, UMass Amherst has over 12,000 students on campus every year. This year was supposed to be no different. And then the coronavirus hit. RAs and peer mentors are hired well in advance. RAs and PMs getting hired for fall 2020 would have interviewed in October or November of 2019. The paperwork and final hiring logistics for the fall semester are finished in March of the preceding one. This past March, over 450 RAs and PMs were told that they would be hired for fall 2020. Then on March 20th, UMass President Marty Meehan announced that the entire UMass system, from Amherst to Lowell, would leave for spring break and not come back. Zoom classes and distance learning would become the new normal. RAs and PMs already working had to adjust on the fly, but they kept their jobs. Most of them did Zoom chats with the residents, checked in on everyone's mental health, classes, and just generally hung out. The RAs and PMs who couldn't rely on outside housing were allowed to stay in the dorms. They watched over international students and other students who had similar housing needs. These RAs and PMs received hazard pay for having to work in a potentially dangerous and COVID-infested environment. But what about fall 2020? The RAs and PMs who were supposed to stay hired and the ones who were going to be hired. Back in mid-July, UMass ResLife told RAPMU that they still wanted to hire all 450 RAs and PMs. RAPMU is the RAPM union founded by students in the early 2000s. But just a few weeks before school began, UMass changed course. In early August, they said they would hire just 50 RAs and PMs. A decision that changed just a few days later when they told the union they were going to hire 21 RAs and 2 PMs. This is Alice Troop, peer mentor and union co-chair. She's a junior and Spanish major. You guys don't have any jurisdiction over who gets over who gets to be an RA or a PM. No. Yeah, at this at this point we don't. Um, and there's there's going to be a um, we know that there's going to be more than 23 people who will need and, and want to be in those roles. Um, just by virtue of the fact that there's a lot of people that um, need the income and need the housing, um, you know, for their expenses. Like, you know, we all, like, none of us want to be exposed to COVID on campus, of course, but um, there are um, people who do need to be there for, for other reasons. And so um, we know there'll be more people than that. So um, in our last communications, like our last meeting with the university, um, they indicated that the people who, the RAs and PMs who are not of those 23 that get chosen um, could still uh, apply to uh, reside on campus during the semester. And they um, suggested, although they did not promise, and so we still are not able to confirm this, but they suggested that the remainder who, who don't get hired for the job but who do get approved to live on campus would receive a waiver for their housing to live on campus. So they wouldn't, in that case, they wouldn't be getting paid because they wouldn't have the job, but they would have a deduction costs of their housing. Um, but like I said, that information about the housing waiver 
is something that there's still a lot of uncertainty about whether the university will actually follow through on that. That waiver did come through, and every RA and PM living on campus now as a working RA and PM does live on campus for free. This is Nat Luffman, peer mentor and union co-chair. She's a senior majoring in natural resource conservation. Um, yeah, so they kind of, so we had almost settled on an agreement with them, and then 24 hours after we had said, like, yes, we'll settle, and all the co-chairs and the union members signed the the memorandum of understanding. Yeah, thank you, Alex. With them, they kind of said, oh, just kidding. Now none of this is in play. So they stripped the remote option away from peer mentors that we were offered before. That was mutually agreed upon previously. Yeah, so in addition to the staff that would have been returning to campus, there was uh, about 70 peer mentors who had secured uh, remote work for the semester and um, would be, you know, attending training as well remotely, and um, that was completely removed. The RAPMU and some of their allies staged a protest back on August 12th and 13th. So yeah, a few of our community allies and union members set up tents early, thinking that they had, would block us off because we published that we were going to be here. Uh, the police showed up within 30 minutes after we set up, UMass Police Department. Uh, they threatened to issue a trespassing, I guess, warning, saying that if we did not leave the premises, they would have the rights to arrest us and we would be banned from any university property for two years. We decided to take our tents down, move out of the private property of the Chancellor's House to the O'Hill parking lot, lot 29, where we will have a peaceful rally. My name is Mel Maxson. I'm a graduate student at UMass Amherst in the Regional Planning Master's Program. I did my undergrad here and I was an RA and I was uh, previously the co-chair of the union. I'm here to in solidarity and supporting RAPMU. I'm really proud of the work that they've been doing uh, since I left the organization, since I graduated and was no longer an RA. My name's Connor Walt. I'm a communications major. It kind of goes without saying that's a year salary in a society right now where there's millions of people unemployed and the only labor options really are putting your safety at risk. So, and like I said, I'm, I'm a senior, so you'd like to be able to have some type of mobility when you graduate. Um, so I'd say it's definitely, for everybody involved, it's a negative impact. They don't see us as workers, they are always trying to find loopholes to not honor the contract or obstruct different processes like, for example, bargaining for a new contract or um, impact bargaining on different working conditions. Um, it was very difficult to get them to the table to give us counter offers and counter proposals. Um, we even had to threaten a sit-in in the Whitmore administration building to get them to come to the table and finish bargaining for our last contract. Um, the goal of all this is just to um, you know, draw attention to the fact that UMass does not intend to honor our contract, the collaborative bargaining agreement that everyone has agreed to, including the university, and that they are disregarding 
our members as workers um, in what they need and like their stipend and in their housing and, and meals and everything. And even in just communicating information to us, um, these changes have been made so quickly with such little information. Really we just want the university to honor contracts that they agreed to us and just treat us like human beings versus just treating us like disposable workers because ultimately we're the people who help the university work just like every other worker on campus. Most of the issues we discussed have been settled by now. Not that the union often liked the results, but the semester started, so they didn't really have any other options. But the biggest fight between the union and UMass from the summer till now is payment. It's a fight that won't end for at least several more months. The union and UMass are in dispute over the language of their collective bargaining agreement signed this past year. Per the union and UMass's CBA, which was signed last year, if a RA or PM is laid off, they get their full pay. UMass, on the other hand, feels that because none of them were ever actually hired, this is not a question of layoffs, this is just people who were never hired. Therefore, they don't have to be paid. The union, however, feels as though UMass is engaged in bad faith negotiations because they were supposed to be hired, they were told they were going to be hired, and then when UMass had doubts about the viability of hiring RAs, they intentionally kept delaying sending over hiring paperwork. In our CBA, we have great layoff language that basically says if any RA or peer mentor gets laid off for any reason, uh, they will receive their full stipend. Uh, this ensures that they will have financial security in the off chance that they get laid off. Um, and so basically the university is arguing that we are not hired RAs and peer mentors, so they do not have to follow um, article 22 of our contract, which is the layoff language. Yeah, and, and despite um, several indicators like emails that we received um, and, you know, in the, um, the, the online system that UMass uses for, for ResLife, Easy ResLife, um, all of us who were um, newly, newly um, appointed or who were returning were um, placed in the hired bin on, um, on Easy ResLife. We were all able to see that in our accounts. Um, and basically, until it was convenient for them not to do so, we were regarded as, as hired staff. We were not given the opportunity to sign contracts when we normally would, which is at an, an orientation during spring semester, which did not happen this year um, due to campus closure. They're arguing that um, in, in cutting our jobs, we're not being laid off, but rather uh, it's a non-reappointment. And uh, so there's, there's none of those protections apply. And are you guys going to be taking legal actions against UMass? Yeah, we are filing um, a grievance uh, with, uh, our union is part of uh, UAW Local uh, 2322, so we um, have resources through that organization. This is James Cordero, a union co-chair RA. He's a senior and double major in English and social thought and political economy. For transparency's sake, this next clip is from just a few days ago, September 24th. If anything, that just shows that it's a fight that's lasted a couple months and will likely last for many, many more months. The full context and argument of our grievance, right, is actually that they 
violated Article 19 and 22. And what those articles really say is uh, if the if the campus closes, we should be assigned to do alternative work. And in the spring, that's what happened. We did alternative work. We supported students remotely. Um, and we're arguing to do the same thing for the fall. Um, the university argues they have no obligation to give us alternative work because uh, we didn't sign our final employment paperwork in the spring. Um, however, they withheld that paperwork from us. Uh, so that's not our fault. Um, so that's why our, for our argument that that argument doesn't make sense from the university standpoint. Um, we accepted offers of employment. Um, we were ready to work. We were prepared. Um, the university is making the choice that they don't want to assign us to support students remotely. Um, and again, I think this makes no sense just from a community standpoint. Because um, right now students, you know, want more connection. They want more support. Um, so now's the time to give it to them. As you move through litigation, I mean, how long do you think it's going to take? And do you guys think that you have a legitimate chance to, to win this case? Yeah, I mean, so the, the next steps are we can try to reach an agreement with the university. If we don't, we could bring it to what's a process that's called arbitration, where we would go before a third party arbitrator who would make a decision uh, that would be um, legally binding, basically. We, uh, my hope is that, um, I mean, this process could take months if, if it really drags on. My hope is that we can reach some sort of agreement with the university um, in, um, in this semester. Um, I, I would rather, I mean, I, you know, I, I think this is clear cut. There's a particular set of things that RAs and PMs can be, can be laid off for. Um, and the university doesn't have the right to lay us off uh, and break our contract the way they're doing. I think they know this. Um, at the same time, I think the university is just trying to delay their obligation here. And so my hope is that we can keep engaging them and keep pressuring them to realize that uh, it would be better for us to reach a mutual agreement. UMass is in a tricky financial situation. Normally they can rely on 12,000 students to live on campus. Each one of them is going to be paying around $4,000 a semester in housing fees. And that's $40 million a semester that they rely on. This semester they have 750 students on campus. A good chunk of them have housing waivers or are athletes and are on scholarships. Paying for student workers with a severely decreased budget is not easy. UMass Athletics has almost no revenue right now. Football just started again, but fans won't be allowed at McGurk, which means there's going to be no ticket sales. And we have no idea if fans will be allowed in the Mullen Center for hockey and basketball games. Or even if there will be hockey or basketball seasons. All that being said, from 2016 to 2017, the net position of UMass increased by $250 million. Their fiscal base went from $2.8 billion in 2016 to $3.1 billion in 2017. And while the pandemic may have hit hard, UMass's decision to buy the Newman Center on August 25th does not shine a flattering light on them. When you look at UMass refusing to pay you guys, and by you guys I mean, what is it, between 450 and 500 RAs and PMs, and then you see them go out and buy the Newman Center for $12 million. Yeah, I mean, I think this shows that the UMass institution's priorities are completely lopsided, completely wrong. Um, 
the the Newman Center was a twelve and a half million dollar purchase. Um, it would take about six million dollars to to employ every RA and PM to support the students who we want to support and the students who need our support as well. Um, that UMass is is using this money to buy a building that can't even be safely used during this pandemic rather than investing in supporting students and their well-being. Um, that's an anti-student decision, that's an anti-worker decision, and it makes absolutely no sense. Jean McKimmy is the Director of Residence Education at UMass and at UMass ResLife, and she's been the head negotiator with the RAPM union. I wanted to interview her for this piece, but unfortunately she was not made available for comment. A statement made through Ed Blagazowski, UMass has said that they hire the number of RAs and PMs to meet the number of students that they have. They are housing about a thousand students on campus, so they've only hired 34 RAs and two peer mentors. They also dispute the union, saying that they had approximately 300 scheduled to work this semester before the coronavirus Im uh, impacted their decisions. For those of you hoping for a happy ending to this story, I'm sorry I don't really have one. The fact of the matter is that this story isn't over yet. UMass just released the spring schedule, but they have not informed the RAs about any future plans in terms of hiring, in terms of how many students are going to be allowed back on campus. And so the future is very much uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know if there's a real end to this story. All I can say is I hope you care about this issue because it is an important issue. Students should be paid like employees, not like a cheap source of labor. And the coronavirus has affected everybody. If there are any developments in the story, if a resolution happens or if anything changes, make sure to tune into WMA News for the updates. For WMA News, I'm Jesse Kolodkin. Have a good week.